Well, good morning, all you hardy Michiganders out there. How do you like this snow? So pretty, isn't it? This is where we find out who the real Michigan people are. Snow reminds me of skiing. Have you ever been skiing? They have that bunny slope. And then they have the, and that's usually green, right? And then the intermediate slope is blue, all right? And then there's the black run, the black diamonds. The black diamond. Anybody ski the black diamonds? Raise your hand, brave souls. Look at you. These are the serious skier people, moguls and everything. The black run. And then the real hardy types go off the back side of the mountain. Anybody here ever done that? We've seen that happen. That's scary to watch, let alone do just take the skis, go off the back side of the mountain. My favorite place is the leather chair beside the stone fireplace in the lodge with a thick book and a black cup of coffee, maybe some conversation, intermittent napping, maybe watching the snow fall gently outside. That's where I want to be. I want to talk to you today, though, about advanced Black Diamond Thanksgiving. Advanced Thanksgiving. There are levels of, of Thanksgiving. There is the bunny slope of Thanksgiving. You know the bunny slope. It's like, thank you, Mom. You made my bed. Appreciate that. Well, that's the bunny slope. Kids should just do that. Mom, you went off and worked and you put your money in the bank and then you, want to bu- you went and bought groceries and I ate them. Thank you. Dad, you work and you fix things and you make things work and you pay things. Things I don't even understand and you don't ever say anything about it. Thank you, Dad. That's, that's, that's Thanksgiving. That's, just, that's human. That's just being civil. That's the... That's the bunny slope. Uh, I made a little list. Uh, Your fridge is full. You have a grateful heart. Your house is warm. Your car starts when you turn the key. People around to fix when you mess up. You live in a free country, so you're the kind of person that says to service women and men, Thank you for your service. That's the bunny slope. I mean, just that's just what common people should do. Thank you. I love our country. You drive across the bridge on a, on a highly improved road every day, but you can't build bridges. You, you wouldn't have any idea how to build a bridge, but somebody built a bridge you use every day. Skilled people learned a skill and applied it out in the heat and in the cold, and they built that road and they built that bridge. And you're just grateful you live in a country where there are roads and bridges. That's the bunny slope. That's just what common, decent human beings are taught to do. The lady at the grocery store is getting paid the same as the lady over in that other lane, but she's very hardworking, and she's extra helpful, and she has a smile on her face, and she's solicitous in her conversation. And you stop, and you look her in the eye, and you say, thank you for helping me today. Because you're a decent human being. That's the bunny slope. That's what decent folks do. That's just common. You don't even have to be a Christian to be thankful like that. That's the bunny slope. It's an expression of warm humanity in your heart, and it's a good thing. It's basic. It's Thanksgiving 101. It's Thanksgiving elementary school. Maybe it's Thanksgiving preschool. When I was, uh, years ago, Lois and I were invited over to a home over on the east side of Jackson. Our oldest daughter, Holly, was just a little tiny girl. The family served us a nice meal. After the meal, 
one of the daughters, a girl that was in my youth group, came over and she said, would you like some ice cream? And we all said yes. And she handed little tiny Holly a dish of ice cream. And I said, say thank you, Holly. This isn't the happiest memory I have. I go, hey, say thank you, Holly. And Holly was sort of shy. So she didn't say anything. I go, tell her thank you. And she didn't say anything. I said, you, you tell her thank you or you can't have any ice cream. Lois gave me the look like. I, I remember, I remember you, might, you might not want to listen to me after I finish this story. I took Holly in the other room. I said, when somebody gives you something, you need to say thank you. Now I want you to go back in there and say thank you. She didn't. I actually hit the top of her hand like that. And she went in there and said, thank you. I'm happy to report to you that she's a full-grown woman today, and she's very grateful, just a beautiful woman with, with a grateful heart, and she always says thank you to people. We taught her to do that. But that's just the bunny slope. The next level of thanksgiving, I'm going to call the, the intermediate slope of thanksgiving, and that's when, not just when you express thanksgiving to people for things they did for you, but when you express thanksgiving to God and you realize that the things that are in your life were given to you by God, and they're not just things, they're blessings from God. You're sitting here today, and even though you have to have the mask over your face because you're not the preacher, you, you can breathe. Your lungs work. You breathe in and out, and you live and you don't just go, well, that's just what I deserve because I'm a human being. Because you've moved beyond the bunny slope. You say, God, thank you that I can breathe. There are people that can't breathe. So every breath I draw, I realize it's a holy sacrament, a gift from God. That's the intermediate slope of thanksgiving. That's, uh, you're growing now. You don't see things just as things from people. You see gifts as blessings from God. And that's why the Bible commands us, give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. And, and, and you know this, 1 Thessalonians in a little staccato command says, give thanks in all circumstances, in everything give thanks. This, what's the next? This is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you'd like to know what the will of God is, one of the things that the Bible clearly expresses is God's will is this intermediate level of thanksgiving. You just say thank you for every circumstance. Thank you that I'm not in the hospital anymore. Thank you to have a good, faithful, loyal wife. Thank you for a good church. Thank you for all the copies of the Bible that I have. God, you so blessed me. My, my, my life is just filled with blessings. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. You don't just feel thanksgiving to God for his blessings. You express thanksgiving to God for his blessings. You don't get up on a Sunday morning and say, I'll go to church because the preaching might be helpful. You'll go to church. You say, I'm going to go to church because I owe God thanks for all that he's given to me. Even if the preaching is boring and long, I'm still going to say, God, I just want to come with God's people and be among those who say, thank you, God. I understand all you've given me is a blessing. 
This is beyond the bunny slope. This is the intermediate slope. Now we're growing. My mother taught me this when I was a little tiny child in my bed in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So what do we do? We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We're thankful unto him. We bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. That's the intermediate slope. That's where we take big, wide, sweeping, safe turns down the hill. And we say, hmm, life is good. God is good. And he's filled my life with blessings. And I hope this week that you will just do that, that you will publicly praise him, thank him, that you'll publicly thank him in front of people that you love. But, but if you do that, that's just the intermediate slope. That's moving beyond the bunny slope to the intermediate slope. We have a son whose name is Chuck, who's a skinny little guy. And he came over to the house for Thanksgiving one day. And we were looking around because we didn't have enough chairs quite for everybody. And Chuck says, not a problem. And he grabs a little tiny child's rocker. And he just sits down in it, a full-grown man with four kids of his own. And he just sits down in this little tiny child's rocker. And then he says something like, I kind of belong at the kids' table anyway. You know, over at the kids' table where the conversation is kind of elementary, over at the kids' table where you might get into a food fight instead of a political wrestling match, the kids' table. A lot of us never really leave the kids' table at Thanksgiving. We're still sitting over there at that level going, thank you, God, for your blessings. There's a higher level of Thanksgiving than that. There's a way to move to the grown-up table. And this is why I wanted to share this with you today. This is the heart of what I want to say. It's the black run. It's the black diamond. It might even be the backside of the mountain. And this is when not only do you see, oh, people have done things for me, and I should be grateful. And not only do you say, God has given me blessings, and I should continuously and publicly thank him for his blessings. But it's when you realize this, that all throughout the Bible... The Bible teaches that not just good things from people are things we should thank God people for. Not just good things from God, blessing from God, we should thank God for. But that God is in sovereign control of everything, everything. And that God is able to take even things that are evil, all things good and evil, and work them toward his eternal good purpose. This in theology is known as the providence of God. And it is the black diamond of thanksgiving. When you understand that there's a level of thanksgiving where you say, God, even though I may not have what I want, and this may not have gone the way that I wish, and things aren't, the, the, you wouldn't describe a lot of these things in my life as good. I still believe that you are God, that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that all things work together for good to those who love God, that other people may have meant it for evil, but you meant it for good. This is the, the providence of God. This is the the black diamond of, of thanksgiving. This is a level of thanksgiving where mature people go. God is in, the, all throughout the Bible, the Bible teaches that God is in control of all things. You can take a, a highlighter 
and you can read your Bible, and you can mark all the places where it says that God is in control of all things, you would have literally hundreds and hundreds of passages in your Bible, hundreds of them marked, that God's in control of everything. Think about some of the things that God says he's in control of. He is in control of the rise and the fall of nations. He's in control of the rise and the fall of the leaders of nations. God says he's in control of all of that. Matter of fact, in your Bible, in the book of Daniel, there is this incident with Nebuchadnezzar, who was a loudmouthed, kind of a bully, braggart, proud. He was a, a civil leader that was just full of bravado and pride. And do you remember the story? God just humbled him to the point where he was out in the field eating like an animal. This is the short version of a really long, colorful story. But when Nebuchadnezzar gets on the other side of this, what he says is really shocking in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. I want you to notice what he says. The sentence is by the decree of the, decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowest of men. In the King James, where I originally memorized this, it says he sets over it the basest of men. Listen to chapter 4 and, and verse 36. Nebuchadnezzar is lifting his eyes to heaven, and his reason is returned to him. He says, I blessed the Most High, praised and honored him who lives forever. And this he says, why? Because his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from, all gen from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven, the angels, among the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? And, though, and at the end of the, ver of the chapter, he says, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. What is Nebuchadnezzar, what has he learned? God's in control of everybody, in control of everything, nations of the earth, and their kings and presidents and congressmen and senators and leaders and governors. This is chapter 5, and, and, and he, he's, he's, Daniel's reiterating this. He says, until he knows the Most High God rules in the kingdoms of mankind, sets over it whoever, whomsoever he will. In, in the book of Acts, there's an interesting passage that you might want to see. What I'm establishing here in, in the Bible, just from a handful of examples and, and verses, is that God throughout the Bible says he's in control of nations. He's in control of national leaders at that level. And wise, godly national leaders, they recognize this. They acknowledge this. And, and they don't think they've done things. They listen to what it says in Acts 14, 15. Acts 14, 15. This is in the middle of Paul and Barnabas talking to the people at Lystra. But what they say tells us something about God. He says, we, we told you to turn away from, don't worship us, and turn away from idols. He says, turn from these vain things, these empty things. Then he says, to a living God who made heaven, who made earth, and the sea and all that's in them, in past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and satisfying your heart with good things. He's saying, in the past, God allowed nations to rebel against them, and he still fed them, and he still blessed them as a witness. 
but he was still in charge of, of everything. And then when you get to uh, Acts chapter, uh, C, chapter 17 and verse 24, hear, hear this, Acts 17 and verse 24. The, this is Paul at the Areopagus in Athens. And he tells us something more about God and God's sovereign providential control over nations and national leaders. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and boundaries of the dwelling place. What is he saying? God's in control of nations, how long they are nations, and how big their territory is, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. He is actually not far from each of us, for in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. What I'm saying is this. Godly, wise people who are at an advanced level of thanksgiving, they don't just say to people around them, thanks for the nice things you did for me. They certainly do that. That's just being civil. They don't just say to God, thank you for your blessings when God is doing nice things for them. They say, God, you're in control of all things, and I humble myself before you, and I know it, and I take, I take confidence in knowing you're in control of everything. That's an advanced, that's the black diamond of thanksgiving. That's an advanced level of thanksgiving. Daniel understood that. Paul understood that. George Washington understood that. Our founders, some of them were deists, some of them were not Christians, but many of them were devout believers in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And kid yourself about it. Don't let the revisionist history come along and pull this rug out from underneath you. There is the hand of divine providence on this nation. There is no question about that. There are stories, amazing stories, of God's split-second timing in his providence in the founding of this nation. And that doesn't mean that we have a get-out-of-jail-free pass to do whatever we want and disregard God. But we should recognize the providence of God in, in, the, in the history of the, of the United States of America. Just one example today will be the, the prayer of George Washington, the Thanksgiving prayer of our first president of the United States, read verbatim, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. He was on the black diamond slope. To obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, to humbly implore his protection and favor, whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially the affording of an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. He says, since this is what the Congress and, and, and the Senate have asked me to do, to have a day of thanksgiving to recognize the favor of God on our nation, I now therefore do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these United States to the service of that great glorious being 
who is the beneficent author of all the good that ever was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere, humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their own becoming a nation and the signal manifold mercies, the favorable interpositions of his providence. He was on the black slope of thanksgiving, which he experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war to the great degree of tranquility, union, plenty, which we have enjoyed for the peaceable, rational manner in which we have established and able to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one we now lately instituted for the civil religious liberty with which we are blessed and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge. He was saying, God, thank you that we have civil liberties, especially the freedom of religion. This was the first president of the United States giving a declaration, a national declaration of thanksgiving so that people would never forget the providence of God, that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. There's more to this. You should read it. The old hymn says, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. God is able to take dark, evil things that people do, and even base leaders, and still accomplish his beautiful purposes. This is what the Bible says. There's also God's providence, not only in the rise and fall of nations, but you can, you can trace the hand of God in such a beautiful way in the progress of the gospel in the world. And I have hundreds of books that trace the progress of the gospel in the world. And they, and they recount the, the powerful hand of God in, mo, in, in split second um, provisions and deliverances. And, and in a minute, we're going to have in a, well, in a few minutes, we're going to have a family meeting, a, otherwise known as the quarterly business meeting. And that sounds all, you know, uh, sounds all official, and, and it certainly is. But basically, what are we going to do? We're going to look back, because we're going to have that financial report that looks back and sees, this is how God has provided for us. And we're going to look forward, and that's our budget, we're going to say, this is the way we plan to use the money that you've given to us in the plan that we, that we have. We're also going to welcome new members. But this is what godly people do. They look back and they see the hand of God. And they say, God, I acknowledge your hand. And they look forward and they say, and, I, and we're trusting you for the future. We wouldn't think of looking in either direction and assuming it's going to be depending on, that it was depending on us. This is the people who understand the providence of God, not only in nations, but in the progress of the gospel. Great men and women of God, they got this. You can read their books. I love A.B. Carmichael's books. She wrote dozens of beautiful books about the ministry of the gospel in India, um, in the Donover Fellowship, and among an amazing story, amazing stories, shocking. I mean, never a word would have been written if she hadn't had a very bad thing happen to her 20 years before she died. She was examining a property, and she fell into a hole, and she twisted her leg, and she never recovered, and she had to go to bed. She was a go-getter. She was a doer. She never stopped to write anything until she had to be in bed for 20 years. And the last 20 years of her life, people came and went. And you can see pictures and videos of this today on, on the internet. You can watch a tour of the Donovan Fellowship. You can see the room where her bed was. You can see the lap desk where she wrote. And now her writings went all around the world and have inspired young men, and especially young women, all around the world into missionary enterprise. 
but something very bad happened to her. There was a grief to her for the rest of her life for 20 years, but God powerfully used it. Now, people who are on the black diamond slope of Thanksgiving, they understand this. They say, I'm not, I'm not assuming that following God means nothing bad will ever happen to me. I just know this, whatever happens to me is going to work out for God's ultimate purposes, so I give him thanks in it. That's the black diamond. That's a high level. That's advanced Thanksgiving. William Carey did all the Bible translations. And then you remember that the, the place where he had housed it all burned to the ground, and he lost it all, years of work. And, and you know, God, why would you let all this Bible translation be lost? And later on, he learned and he realized that, that he would never have discarded it, but it needed to be, re, needed to be done again. And, and God's hand in his providence, in the progress of the gospel, is one of the most faith-building, heartening things. If I was a young person again, I would again, I would, I would read biographies of God's people because I could trace how God works. I could see the hand of God, how he works. I would read stories about how God has worked around the world in the progress of the gospel because it is in the progress of the gospel that you can so plainly see the providence of God. In other words, that he takes things that are evil and he works out his good purposes in them. So get those biographies and read them and read the biographies of Scripture. And then there is not only the providence of God in nations, but you can see the providence of God in the progress of the gospel. But the question would be, okay, Pastor, I understand what you're saying, that nations rise and fall because God lets them, and that great people that are doing great things, great missionaries and great preachers and, and great leaders, and that God has his hand on them. But, but, but is God really involved in in my life, I mean, nobody really knows my name, and what I'm doing isn't really that big of a deal. What does the Bible have to say about the providence of God in the lives of common people? Well, you don't have to go beyond the, the simple, sweet, open-air teaching of Jesus when a sparrow falls. And if you're a birder, you know, that's even people who love birds disdain sparrows. They're like, yeah, whatever. We don't even write it down when we see a sparrow. They're just kind of a nuisance. What we're looking for is this bird and that bird and this filled cuckoo and that, you know. But there's a sparrow. But there is one who notices a sparrow. And not just a living sparrow, but the dead sparrows. He said, if a sparrow falls, I notice it. And this was in the context in Matthew chapter 10 where people were saying, God, Jesus, when you go away, and they drag us before the courts, and, and, and they're threatening us, what, what, should we, what, what, should, what should we do? And he says, I'm watching over even the fallen sparrows. I'll tell you what to say in that time. He's saying to you, you are of more value than, you may feel like Amy Carmichael and Charles Spurgeon are greater than you, and you would probably be right, but you're greater than sparrows, and I noticed them. He's saying this, my providence can be traced in the life of every man and every woman, of every family, of every little boy and of every little girl. God's providence is the privilege and his sweet meditation of everyone who knows God and who loves God. The whole universe is under his control. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over everything. In a physical world is under his control. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, so that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. He makes the sun shine on the just and the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. He controls every snowfall, every rain, every sunny day. 
He's over all of human destiny. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, Paul said in Galatians 1, called me by his grace, he had his hand on me even before I was born. And so the, and human successes and failures are under God's control. Luke 1, he brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of a humble estate, Mary says in her prayer. All throughout the Bible, the Bible promises that this wonderful truth of God's providence is not just for nations and for great people, but for common men and for common women, for boys and girls. Years ago, our washing machine stopped working. Eight kids, 10 people, no washing machine. Lois was never going to trust me with the laundry. She says, help me put this in the car. I've got to go to the laundromat. So she's dragging all this stuff out there to the car to go to the laundromat. We're kind of cursing our fate. I don't know if you remember this, Lois, but there was a girl at the laundromat that day. Lois, I wasn't there. Lois talked to her. Her name was Little. Her husband's name was Lyndon Little. They lived out by our church. Lois just happened to talk to her that day because our washing machine broke down. And Lyndon Little and his wife started coming to our church. I wanted to make conversation with him. And I noticed that he had all kinds of junk Volvos out by his house. I figured this guy likes Volvos. He's got like 23 of them. So I talked to him about Volvos, thinking he'd be interested in Volvos. He, he could see I, my, my personal commuter car wasn't really very good. And not, not a few weeks later, he drove into my driveway with the Volvo, an old, used, rusty, good running. He says, this is a good car. This will run. And I know how to make these run. So if you have any trouble, bring it back to me. He gave me a Volvo. I drove it for years. I sold it to my son. He drove it for years. This is how I roll. Because, because our, our washing machine was broken down, God provided a car that we used for years. Was it a bad thing that our car broke down, or that our washing machine broke down? It was bad for Lois, but it was good for me. It was a good thing. It was, good. It was a good thing. The littles got the gospel. The littles sat at our table. And they heard the gospel from us. One time, a couple Christmases ago, our septic tank failed. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Would you say that was good? Oh, good, it's Christmas and all the children are over and the septic tank has failed. Would you say, oh, that's good? We say, oh, praise the Lord for his blessings. Lord, we thank you for the turkey and the septic tank not working today. You would say, that's bad, wouldn't you? Me too. We go out and work on it, and I think, I need to call Charles Perlos because he owned this place before I did, and maybe he can give me some secrets of the septic tank, which he did. I called Charles on the phone. He's very kind to me. He told me some things that helped me discover what was wrong. At the very end of our conversation, I'm sitting outside on the picnic table. It was a warm, balmy day in December, and I'm sitting on the picnic table talking to Charles, and just before I get off the phone, I say to him, so how are you doing? And he says to me, well, I appreciate your prayers. I'm in hospice. I said, oh, Charles, no, tell me you're, you're in hospice. And Charles died, but before he died, he filed the Lord in baptism right there. Remember that day? But I think I might have missed him if the septic tank hadn't failed. So was that a good thing or was it a bad thing? Oh, I'm so glad that happened. I'm so glad God gave me the chance to minister to Charles in his death. 
to, for you to see him follow the Lord in baptism, for us to be able to give his family confidence that he knew the Lord and that he was trusting the Lord, that we could preach his funeral where hundreds of people heard the gospel. But it was bad that my septic tank failed. That's the providence of God. And does anybody here doubt that I could go on until 6 or 8 this evening telling stories of how bad things God used them for good? You could too. But there's one that we really should not stop without saying. It's this one. It's this one. God in his providence watches over nations. God in his providence watches over the progress of the gospel. He watches over fallen sparrows and common men like you and me. But God took something that men and demons meant for evil and he turned it to a great good and i want you to see this today because this is really the heart of what i want to share take your bibles please and look at acts chapter 2 and what we have in acts chapter 2 is the apostle peter in his sermon on pentecost in peter's sermon on pentecost he says something shocking about the death of jesus what peter's going to say in this sermon is that even though evil men plotted to murder Jesus, even though evil men plotted to torture, to betray and torture and murder Jesus, that God actually planned it ahead and he used their evil to do what he was going to do. Now I want you to see this is we're reading out of Peter's wonderful sermon where 3,000 people get converted and when that happens for a pastor that's a good day, by the way. Men of Israel, hear these words, verse 22, chapter 2. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. He establishes human responsibility in the same sentence where he appeals to divine sovereignty. Don't miss this. Don't overlook this. Don't neglect this. Don't miss this in your Christian life. It's the black diamond of thanksgiving to see that God takes evil and he does his great good. When men mean to do evil, God is in the middle of that doing the thing he determined ahead of time would be good. And he even uses the disobedience and the sin of godless men and women to do that. Peter understood this. We had the time we could go to his epistles and we could see where he reiterates this. But in chapter 4, listen to what it says here as Peter is released from prison. He's going to go out and preach even though he's been uh, threatened. They were released. They went to their friends, reported to the chief priests and elders. This is chapter 4 of Acts, verse 24. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Sovereign meaning you're in control of everything. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together, and then the Lord against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, um, along with the Gentiles and peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So when you see the rise and fall of nations and you believe that God has done it in his providence, and when you see the progress of the gospel and you see, oh, it's God that must have done that. And when you, when you, remember when you see the fallen sparrow, that God will work in your life to help you pay your college bills, to help you prepare for that test 
to watch over whether the right guy is going to ask you out to that particular event, that God cares about every little last detail of your life. And even when things come into your life that break your heart and that you know are not right, you can trust that God is so powerful. He will do what he has determined to do, and it will be good. That is the black diamond of Thanksgiving. That is the providence of God. Isn't it fun to think about that? So I want to bless you today, and then we'll, we'll be dismissed to reassemble for our family Thanksgiving meeting and quarterly business meeting. But I want to bless you now. So why don't you stand with me, and I will ask the blessing of the Lord on you. And you probably know what I'm going to say. Lord, bless all the people that have gathered today with Bunny Slope Thanksgiving with just a grateful heart. And Lord, bless everyone here today with, a, with an advanced level of thanksgiving where they bless you for what you've given to them. But most of all, God, bless them with the black diamond thanksgiving of seeing your hand, even in things that break their hearts, that you're doing what you do and you're in sovereign control and you're good. Bless them with that level of thanksgiving, I pray. And Lord, if they could have some time with their family to give you thanks. If you would protect them from illness. If you would, God, help them see that you're in control even in this sad time that we're living through. And if you could give them a few hours in a leather chair by the fire, we would thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We would, 